0: Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Uh, two things before we start our discussion. Um, when I was before I, uh, when I knew I need to prepare for today, um, I have thoughts in my head what to say or which direction to go, and I was kind of confused. Uh, Because I had more than one. Have I used this before already or not? Did I talk about this already or not? And I couldn't remember for the life of me. And um, Grace told me, hey, you can listen uh, yourself. uh, Just go online and you can hear yourself. Well, that's what I did. And I need to tell you, it was bad. My language is horrible. Look see my language, my English is terrible. Um, it was boring and long. And you know what? Every time I have been up here, after that you have said such a nice things to me. And now I don't know, can I trust you? Can I believe you? Because I heard myself and that hurt. Um, that's one, so be honest, please. The next is, before the Dante left, he um, um, took uh, Dave, Bob, and me aside and told the, each one of us, you'll be responsible of this part of the worship, this part of the church life. And he told me, I am responsible of... Uh, spiritual aspect of the church. Um, I'm sorry. I need to disappoint you because I can't be. Um, I think that's an individual choice. That's an individual choice. Um, The only thing that I can do my best is to try to see that the messages you receive from up here are Jesus Christ, Son of God, Jesus Christ, Son of Man, Jesus Christ crucified, and Jesus Christ risen and alive, and nothing more and nothing less And nothing else. And then, I believe, when gospel is proclaimed, and where gospel is proclaimed, Jesus Christ himself is right there in the middle. And if that's the case, then it's Christmas all over again. Every time. Every time. Now that I took all this responsibility off of my shoulders and put back in your lap, um, who is ready for another 20, 25 minutes of broken English? And if you're not, don't even try to get up. Um, Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be here. We are so blessed and feel so protected by you that we can be here at peace and open our hearts and our minds to you. Lord, regardless my limitations, speak to us. It's nothing about me but all about you. Holy Spirit, fill us, teach us, make us and mold us. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Um, when uh, my family heard that I need to talk today, the kids came to me and said, Dad, can you tell more stories? We like your stories. And I said, no, I don't have any stories. But then um, um, I Thursday, I guess, or Wednesday, I read devotional, and there was a story, and I thought it kind of goes with with where I want to go. So I'm gonna tell the stories just because of my kids. Um, And the story goes like that. Um, I'm gonna paraphrase it a little bit. Um, In a country where uh, it's hard times, war and and uh, conflict and everything, and people lose a lot of things, people lose. physical possessions and places to live and all that. And uh, there was um, a group of people that wound up living in one small room, nine of them. Uh, There was nine of them, and uh, one, one guy particularly felt he couldn't stand it. He was so discouraged, so depressed that that he needs to share one little room with eight other individuals. And he felt kind of like God is not doing his job. He's not taking care of his people, particularly him. him. He went to his church, and he's kind of like down and um, uh, Preacher or rabbi or whoever uh, kind of noticed that, and he asked, what's wrong with you? Why are you so depressed? He said, I'm living with uh, eight other individuals in one small room, and the life is unbearable. Um, the preacher said, do you have any, anything else that you own? What, what you, do you own? He said, I, I own a goat. He said, take the goat with you in a room. He said, What? Pastor said, Take the goat with you in your room. Just trust me. Do it. Then we'll see next week. So the guy took the goat with him in the room. The next week, he was absolutely miserable. He went straight to the pastor and said, What in the world? Why? The goat is filthy. We have terrible conditions right now. The pastor said, Okay. Take the goat out. Um, Take the goat out of the room. And we'll see next week. Each other. So, next week, the um, church comes together and the guy is radiant and happy and and smiling and and everything is fine. Pastor says, How is your life? Oh my gosh, we are so glad there's only nine of us and no goat no more. Everything (laughs) is so good. So it depends how you look at the things. Um, let's open our Bible. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Um, I was thinking I'm not going to use any my notes or anything, but I am afraid not to use them. But uh, And yeah, besides that, I don't know why, but today I am nervous. I haven't been nervous up here for a long, long time, but today I'm nervous, so bear with me. Um, Romans 5, let's start to read. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith, into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt it in hope for the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for the righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For in while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Who wrote these words? Who is the author of these words? Paul. Paul. Uh, Yeah, this is just a conversation here. I'm not preaching. Um, Paul. Paul wrote these words. Now, before we go... I want to ask you a question. How was your life? How would you describe your life? Like, let's say, last uh, six months, maybe a year. Uh, how is your life? Hard, easy, happy, sad, anything? Okay. How? All of the above. All of the above. What else? Does anybody have some... Um, challenges have had some challenges in life? Yeah, yeah. Um, does anybody have disappointments? Sure, had disappointments? Everybody had a happy moment? Yeah. yeah, we have everything. But in general, can we say that life is a little bit tougher than maybe it was a few years ago. A little bit more challenging. A little bit more harder. Yeah? Agree? Okay. Now, how would you describe Paul's life after he accepts Jesus Christ? And, yeah, this sermon is only for those who know the Bible. The rest of you, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, um, But anyway... How would you describe Paul's life? Hard. 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 Very tough. Very hard. Do you remember the words we just read? He said, rejoice in tribulations. Let's just read what Apostle Paul himself, how he describes his life. Okay, What he says about his life. Um, Let's open up Romans 5. Romans five. Oh, I need to find it. No, that's that's not that's not what I want. Um, where did I go? Oh second Corinthians eleven. I'm sorry. Um like I said, a little nervous. Second Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter eleven twenty three and up 2 Corinthians chapter 11:23 Okay, let's go. Um, are they servants of Christ? I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. What is he saying? What labor? Labor for church, labor for his brothers and sisters in different cities. Um, working a lot, imprisonments more. He lost count how many times he was in jail. Uh, beaten times without number. Often in danger of death. Five times I received from Jews 39 lashes from which most men would die. He did that five times. He went through this ordeal. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rod. Once I was stoned. And those are rocks. Rocks. When people get stoned with. Not something else. Rocks. Three times I've a shipwrecked. A night and day I have spent in the depth, night and day in open sea. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers dangers from robbers danger, dangers from my countrymen dangers from the gentiles dangers in the city dangers in the wilderness dangers on the sea dangers among among the Paul's brothers I have been in labor and hardship Through my sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things, there is daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. Did he knew hard times? Have we ever, any of us can even compare anything that we have gone through in our life and with that being said what did Paul wrote Romans what did Paul wrote Romans Paul says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God we have Peace with God, in God, through God. We can rejoice with God. Well, that's all good and nice. And I like this part. I like these two uh, first verses. We have access to God. We have peace with God and joy in God. It's nice. I like it. I think we all do. But then it starts to get kind of weird. And not only this, which is the above, but we also exult in our tribulations. I mean, did you find anything to rejoice in that count what he gave in 2 Corinthians? Do you found any aspect what to rejoice in? What in whipping? What in being stoned? Being thrown over the board uh, day and night in a cold open sea? I mean which part do you rejoice? Uh, and and Paul says, rejoice. What does that does it make sense? Does it make sense? Let's just keep reading, and then maybe we find some sense. But what it says, why do we rejoice in tribulations? Because it does work and give make something wonderful. It did for him, it does for us. And what this wonderful is, because... Tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character brings hope. Well, do we really, do we, do we want to have patience or perseverance? Do we pray God to give us a patience? Do we wish that we have a great character, Christ-like character, Do we pray for that? Do we like to have hope? Um, When I grew up and when I was a teenager, there was a saying, very popular saying, and that went like this. The hope is the food for naive and fools. And I would say yes, amen. Amen. But the hope, if the hope is naked, if the hope is not based on nothing, if the hope is, or the hope is on my abilities, or some other human abilities, and that's that kind of hope I can see naked. And that kind of hope, if you put hope in something like that, it is the food for fools and naive, because there is no foundation. This hope, which what Paul is talking about, is nothing like that. This hope is based on, he says, where the hope comes from. From patience, from character, that brings hope. And what is hope? Hope is absolute, sure thing that good Thing is coming that God will come through and we have that experience when we have tribulations if we have patience in it and only when we say this is it this is it I can't do it God take care of it. we develop patience we develop character and we have hope. Um, We all see this. We, you probably sit there and think, "We all know that. That's a basic stuff. What you're talking about? You know, we all know that. This is nice things in the Bible. That's nice theology. Um, let's just. What's for me here? Well, we all see something like that in the nature too. Um, as tougher the conditions are, as tougher the things become. Trees. When they are exposed to constant wind, their root system is deeper, is stronger. Because they need to withstand the winds, constant winds. Well, we see sometimes on TV people in in troubled areas or troubled countries. uh, They eat food where flies are all over it and they drink water that has color. Well, have you, uh, probably most of us have been south of the border and we drink the water and we spend half of the vacation on porcelain thing. <laughs> I mean, where is our toughness? The, as tougher the, the, the circumstances are, as more character you develop, or as more resistance or resilience you develop. And that's what God wants us. He wants our roots to be deeper. He wants us. He wants us to be a closer to Him. Be stronger in our faith, like a tree that is exposed to constant wind, to grow deeper and be stronger. And those trees usually, you can't break a branch easily from that tree. Have you seen the trees that are exposed to the winds? They kind of, even shape wise, are different. You go to Grand Canyon or anywhere, and you see those. Trees, they, you see the, the wind has blown on them, and they lean in one way, but they're still there. And you can't even break the branch because they're tough. And God wants us to be strong, foundation, strongly rooted in Him. Yeah. Into Him. And we can develop that only if we have diversity in our life. If we have diversity in our life. Um, music. When, uh, how should I say, I studied music for nine years. My parents sent me to musical school. I graduated, so, um, but it's been a long time ago, so I pretty much forgot everything there. Um, but I remember something. Most of the classical or pieces, timeless music pieces are written by individuals in Turmoil in hardship, in hard times. And out of that comes beautiful, timeless music. We can talk about Mozart. Very, very disturbed individual. Very, very hard and harsh upbringing. Um, Beethoven turned blind and deaf. And wrote unbelievable music. Bach. Well, there is a funny thing about Bach. For him, he wrote most of his songs and his music when he went in his house to his small room and he locked the doors behind him and he spent there hours and hours and sometimes day after day. And that's where the good music came. But there is a reason. He had 20 kids running around his house. I think you would be writing music too and locking yourself in the room. So, um, yeah, that's the funny part of the box. But anyway, in hard situations, in hard times, in hardships, comes more emotional music. And how many party songs... You can remember that are timeless. So, for us to develop the beautiful thing, the character that is God's like, Christ like, we need to face adversity. We need to face adversity. Um, Jeremiah, man of God, prophet of God, had a problem with God's plan or God's um, actions towards Israel. And the problem was, in the times of Jeremiah, he saw that... um, Babylonians were forming big army and were trying to come against Israel. And Jeremiah struggled. Why? Why, God, are you allowing that to happen? And God, to answer this question, God asked Jeremiah to go to Potter's house. And we can read all that in Jeremiah 18, um, 1 to 6 and, and 4. We're not going to go there. You can. But... Um, Kids wanted stories. Here's a Bible story. Have, how many of you have seen a potter's shack or potter's house or room where the potter works? Or how many of you know how in those days potter worked? Have any idea? Some of, some of us. Basically what it is, it's, it's um, where the potter works, the uh, room or the place it, floor is a clay is a rough clay, it's a dusty floor, dirty, dusty floor. Um, But the same substance that's on the floor, that's a substance that potter works with. And uh, the the table uh, is like a circular table. It's not very big, it's a smaller table, and and it has a pedal that the potter can pump and make the table spin. So... uh, There's a little preparation uh, how to prepare the clay, but I'm not going to go there. There is a container with the clay. Potter picks up the blob of the clay, kind of puts on a spin, puts on a table, on a wheel, and starts to pump with the foot and makes the wheel go around, 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 around. And sometimes the clay... Clay is uh, kind of hard from the beginning. And when the wheel goes around, clay flies off and falls on the ground. It's up to potter to pick it up or to take a anew. Um, this particular potter what, where God sent Jeremiah is picking up the blob of clay, which is in a splat on a floor, on a clay floor, picks it up and puts it back on a wheel. And potter pumps again, and wheel goes around, around, around. And Clay says, come on, this is not what I signed up for. What kind of life is this? It's just the same. We go around and around and around, and it's just boring. And And I remember me growing up and going to school, and it was like... Uh, Every day you wake up in the same time, you do the same things to prepare, you go to school, you have math, history, language, Um, then you have lunch, then you have biology, then you go home, then you watch a little TV, then you go to sleep, then you wake up the same time, then you once again in school. Well, today, kids, I see it's a a little bit different than for me. They wake up, they text. They go to school, geometry, text, uh, biology, text, skip biology. They don't know what they're talking there anyway. So uh, physics, math, text, come home, text. So everything's the same, the same, the same. Then we grow up and we go to work and the same people, the same problems, the same things, the same actions, everything is the same, the same. God, Lord, I thought you loved me. I thought you want me to be something. It's the same. And we go, I'm out of here. I'm off the wheel. I'm splat on the floor. The potter picks the blob of clay again, puts back on the wheel. It goes round and round and round again. Um, As the Peter, to getting annoyed by the sameness. Remember the story when the people, Peter was in a boat with the rest of the disciples, and and there is a storm, and they rowing, and they sweating, and they not happy. It's so hard, and they think. Why did Jesus told us to go across this lake when he knew he he's the son of God? He's supposed to know. Then the wind will come. Then the storm will start. Why did he ask us to do this? Now we are barely hanging on for our lives. We need to take the water out of our boat. We are so tired. It's so hard. It's so exhausting and and Peter, it's, it's just not fun to be where he is. And then he sees the, Jesus walking on the water. And that's just my interpretation to it. It's not that Peter wanted to show much of his faith. He said, you know what? This is up, uh, This is way out. Lord, if you would, please tell me to get out of the boat. And Jesus said, okay, come on. And people, people, Peter steps out. Peter steps out of the boat, steps on the water. Hey, look at me, Lord. <laughs> Help me. Um, and guess what? Where did he, Peter wound up? Jesus picks him up and puts back in the boat where he didn't want it to be in the first place. Potter picks up the blob of clay, puts back up on a wheel. Well, the, the clay kind of starts to relax a little bit. Okay, maybe that's fine. And then all of a sudden, starts to feel a pressure. The Potter's hands start to apply a pressure, beginning from outside in. Then it starts from inside out, and you're like, "Oh, what's going on now? I don't like this." And then off the wheel again. Potter picks it up puts back again on the wheel and around and around it goes. And, and you still squirm and you don't like it and there is a pressure point, there is, a, there is financial pressure points, there is maybe um, relationship pressure points, there may be pressure points in family and we don't like this. But you know what? It's all part of the potter's plan for you. He has a plan for you. And then... The clay kind of looks in the window and sees reflection of himself, and he says, "Oh, the master is making something from me. I start to take shape. I like myself." And then all of a sudden, we feel pot. The clay feels like pot, Potter's hands underneath of him. He lifts the pot, lifts the clay, and starts to walk away from the wheel. And, and the pot thinks, hey, this is my day. Now he's going to put me on a shelf. He's going to display me as his masterpiece, as his uh, witness of his craftsmanship. But you know what? Then the pot notices the, the the potter leaves or passes by the shelf, and he hears a strange sound like a heavy door, and before he knows it, he's in a dark place and door closes clunk, and he's inside the kiln, the oven. And the temperature rises and it's hotter and hotter and hotter. And, 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 and you start to perspire and sweat and, and you're you like, Lord, what now? Why in the world am I here? Why did you put me here? But you know all that analogy about fiery trials to make you strong, to make you hard, to make you useful. Well, see, if the clay, when clay jumps off the wheel, and if the potter is not picking it up, all that the blob of the clay will turn into will be dust in a wind. Nothing. Part of the floor of the earth. Dust in I mean. And you know what? You and me, we are nothing else but dirt. We are made from it. We are blob of the clay. We are blob of the clay. And the process goes and the potter takes the pot out and brings it into his house. And the New Testament says, you know, the potter makes some vessels for glory or honor and some for not so much honor. And that's what Jeremiah was struggling. And that's what we're struggling sometimes. Wait a minute. Okay, I understand. I understand that part that I have joy in Christ, joy in Jesus Christ, in God, joy with God, peace with him. I understand all that. That's nice. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I understand that, that adversity brings character or experience, brings patience and hope, hope in Jesus Christ. But, but but then all, after all this sameness and, 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 and rotation of our, and we all are agree, um, kind of familiar with the, the sameness or circularness of our life. I read that some guy who liked to make some statements or sayings said, the, 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 the problem with life is that it's so daily. It's the same. It's the same. The same. After all this, after all these pressure points that you apply, after all that hard and and hot place in oven, I wound up as a vessel for dishonor. Can I trust the potter? Can I trust his plan? Can I trust him? After all is said and done, well, it's nice if I wound up to being a nice vase with the beautiful flowers in it, but if I found wound up to being a bowl where dogs eat out, can I trust the plan of the potter that he has for me? By the way, but let's just look at the potter a little bit. Let's look at the feet that pumps that pedal, that controls the speed of the wheel. We see the holes in them, that nail pierced. Let's look at the hands that we're applying those pressure points from outside and from inside out. There's scars, scars from nails, and those scars are the price what the potter paid for the blob of clay to have it. And if he loved me so much, when I was only the blob of clay, that he paid such a price, I don't need to doubt. I don't need to fear. I don't need to question about his plan or what he does for me or why am I where I am. I don't need to doubt, and that's what Peter says. That's what Peter says when he says, and um, in verse five, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God had been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom whom was given to us, and um, we stand for if. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. For God demonstrated, verse 8, his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's why Paul says rejoice. Rejoice in hardships. Rejoice in tribulation because... God loves you. God has planned for you. And without hardships and adversity, you will never fulfill or become who God wants you to be. All you can be is dust in a wind. And Jesus did not pay the price for you to be dust in a wind. He paid the price for you to be useful, beautiful, vessel for his glory. Don't ever doubt his plan. Don't ever doubt what he does. Don't ever doubt the hardships. Rejoice because love of God should be base of our life. Love of God should be base and foundation for our life. Without that, we are only dust in the wind. Yeah, Lord, but I know all this and I understand all that. And I am a good Christian and I want to be better. I just want to work for Him. I want to do something good for Him. I want to be used by Him. I just want to have feel that He's using me. That circular thing, that sameness. I want something. I want something. And very short illustration. Remember, mother of James and John, the disciples of Jesus, Salome. She heard about Jesus. She saw him doing the miracles. She heard from her sons all that Jesus was teaching. She heard that there is kingdom coming. And she understood Jesus is the king. And you know what? She said, I love that. I want that, and I want that for my family. And she came close to Jesus once, and probably she was in a crowd not once, more than once, to hearing what he says, to looking at him, seeing what he does. But then one day she said, I need to get closer to him. And she went and spent more time with Jesus when he was preaching, when he was with with the crowd, with other people. She was closer and closer closer. And Jesus kind of looked at her and 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 asked, "Woman, what do you want?" She said, "No, I'm just worshiping you here." And he says, "Salome, baloney. Well, not really." She, he said, "He said, what do you really want, woman?" And and she's like, "Um, can I ask you for something? Can my two sons be on your right and left hand when you go to your kingdom?" And Jesus answered with a question. Can you drink the cup that I will be drinking? And can you go where I will be going? And by that time, all the disciples kind of hear that conversation. They get mad. They get upset. What's going on? Are they better than us? And John and James gets a little embarrassed. And they say, yeah, Lord, we can. Um, Jesus probably just smiled and say no more. Didn't say nothing. And then not long after that. Yeah, there was entrance in Jerusalem. Hallelujah, Hosanna. With palm trees and palm branches and all this. And then a few days later. Salome was one of the three women. That stood on the foot of the hill. Where he, she saw Jesus Christ being crucified. And not only him. But the two men, one on the right, one on the left hand, dying the most excruciating death on this earth. And she probably thought, how stupid I was. My request, how stupid I was. And sometimes we ask, Lord, some things. And we think it's just for his glory. I want to be and do things for his glory. Why he's not answering. Why he's not blessing. And as good as that question and request might sound to me. It might be very, very stupid. And Lord says, I love you too much to answer. Or to give it what you ask. God takes us and puts us in situation according to his big plan. Is it the sameness? Is it hardship? Whatever it is, it is needed for me to be best that he wants me to be. Don't be afraid, don't ever doubt what he's doing or why he is not answering. He is the master potter. He loved us when we were yet sinners or the blob of the clay who eventually without him would turn into dust in a wind. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you know how foolish we are. And we ask things right now, in Jesus' name, that when we start to doubt or question your ways or what you do, to look at the cross and make choice not to force my way and my will no more, but allow you to fulfill your plan for me, for each one of us, and for us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen.